Section 15 of The Elements of Geology. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Elements of Geology by William Harmon Norton. Chapter 9 Movements of the Earth's Crust. Part 2 Fractures and Dislocations of the Crust. Considering the immense stresses to which the rocks of the crust are subjected, it is not surprising to find that they often yield by fracture, like brittle bodies, instead of by folding and flowing, like plastic solids. Whether rocks bend or break depends on the character and condition of the rocks, the load of overlying rocks which they bear, and the amount of the force, and the slowness with which it is applied. Joints at the surface, where their load is least, we find rocks universally broken into blocks of greater or less size by partings known as joints. Under this name are included many division planes caused by cooling and drying, but it is now generally believed that the larger and more regular joints, especially those which run parallel to the dip and strike of the strata, are fractures due to up and down movements and foldings and twistings of the rocks. Joints are used to great advantage in quarrying, and we have seen how they are utilized by the weather in breaking up rock masses, by rivers in widening their valleys, by the sea in driving back its cliffs, by glaciers in plucking their beds, and how they are enlarged in soluble rocks to form natural passageways for underground waters. The ends of the parted strata match along both sides of joint planes. In joints there has been little or no displacement of the broken rocks. Faults in figure 184, the rocks have been both broken and dislocated along the plane FF prime. One side must have been moved up or down past the other. Such a dislocation is called a fault. The amount of the displacement, as measured by the vertical distance between the ends of a parted layer, is the throw. The angle which the fault plane makes with the vertical is the hade. In figure 184, the right side has gone down relatively to the left. The right is the side of the downthrow while the left is the side of the upthrow. Where the fault plane is not vertical, the surfaces on the two sides may be distinguished as the hanging wall and the foot wall. Faults differ in throw from a fraction of an inch to many thousands of feet. Slick insides. If we examine the walls of a fault, we may find further evidence of movement in the fact that the surfaces are polished and grooved by the enormous friction which they have suffered as they have ground one upon the other. These appearances, called slickensides, have sometimes been mistaken for the results of glacial action. Normal faults. Faults are of two kinds, normal faults and thrust faults. Normal faults, of which figure 184 is an example, hade to the downthrow. The hanging wall has gone down. The total length of the strata has been increased by the displacement. It seems that the strata have been stretched and broken, and that the blocks have readjusted themselves under the action of gravity as they settled. Thrust faults. Thrust faults hade to the upthrow. The hanging wall has gone up. Clearly, such faults, where the strata occupy less space than before, are due to lateral thrust. Folds and thrust faults are closely associated. Under lateral pressure, strata may fold to a certain point and then tear apart and fault along the surface of least resistance. Under immense pressure, strata also break by shear without folding. Thus, in figure 185, the rigid earth block under lateral thrust has found it easier to break along the fault plane than to fold. Where such faults are nearly horizontal, they are distinguished as thrust planes. 
In all thrust faults, one mass has been pushed over another, so as to bring the underlying and older strata upon younger beds, and when the fault planes are nearly horizontal, and especially when the rocks have been broken into many slices which have slidden far one upon the other, the true succession of strata is extremely hard to decipher. In the Selkirk Mountains of Canada, the basement rocks of the region have been driven east for seven miles on a thrust plane, over rocks which originally lay thousands of feet above them. Along the western Appalachians, from Virginia to Georgia, the mountains are broken by more than fifteen parallel thrust planes, running from northeast to southwest, along which the older strata have been pushed westward over the younger. The longest continuous fault has been traced 375 miles, and the greatest horizontal displacement has been estimated at not less than 11 miles. Crush Breccia Rocks often do not fault with a clean and simple fracture, but along a zone, sometimes several yards in width, in which they are broken to fragments. It may occur also that strata which, as a whole, yield to lateral thrust by folding, include beds of brittle rocks, such as thin-layered limestones, which are crushed to pieces by the strain. In either case, the fragments, when re-cemented by percolating waters, form a rock known as crush breccia. Breccia is a term applied to any rock formed of cemented angular fragments. This rock may be made by the consolidation of volcanic cinders, of angular waste at the foot of cliffs, or of fragments of coral torn by the waves from coral reefs, as well as of strata crushed by crustal movements. Surface features due to dislocations. Fault scarps. A fault of recent date may be marked at surface by a scarp because the face of the upthrown block has not yet been worn to the level of the downthrow side. After the upthrown block has been worn down to this level, differential erosion produces fault scarps wherever weak rocks and resistant rocks are brought in contact along the fault plane, and the harder rocks, whether on the upthrow or on the downthrow side, emerge in a line of cliffs. Where a fault is so old that no abrupt scarps appear, its general course is sometimes marked by the line of division between highland and lowland, or hill and plain. Great faults have sometimes brought ancient crystalline rocks in contact with weaker and younger sedimentary rocks, and long after erosion has destroyed all fault scarps, the harder crystallines rise in an upland of rugged or mountainous country which meets the lowland along the line of faulting. The vast majority of faults give rise to no surface features. The faulted region may be old enough to have been base-leveled, or the rocks on both sides of the line of dislocation may be alike in their resistance to erosion and therefore have been worn down to a common slope. The fault may be entirely concealed by the mantle of waste, and in such cases it can be inferred from abrupt changes in the character or the strike and dip of the strata where they may outcrop near it. The plateau trench by the Grand Canyon of the Colorado River exhibits a series of magnificent fault scarps, whose general course is from north to south, marking the edges of the great crust blocks into which the country has been broken. The highest part of the plateau is a crust block 90 miles long and 35 miles in maximum width, which has been hoisted to 9,300 feet above sea level. On the east it descends 4,000 feet by a monoclinal fold, which passes into a fault towards the north. On the west it breaks down by a succession of terraces faced by fault scarps. The throw of these faults varies from 700 feet to more than a mile. The escarpments, however, are due in a large degree to the erosion of weaker rock on the down-throw side. 
The highlands of Scotland meet the lowlands on the south with a bold front of rugged hills along a line of dislocation which runs across the country from sea to sea. On the one side are hills of ancient crystalline rocks whose crumpled surfaces prove that they are but the roots of once lofty mountains. On the other lies a lowland of sandstone and other stratified rocks formed from the waste of those long-vanished mountain ranges. Remnants of sandstone occur in places on the north of the Great Fault, and are here seen to rest on the worn and fairly even surface of the crystallines. We may infer that these ancient mountains were reduced along their margins to low plains, which were slowly lowered beneath the sea to receive a cover of sedimentary rocks. Still later came an uplift and dislocation. On the one side, erosion has since stripped off the sandstones for the most part, but the hard crystalline rocks yet stand in bold relief. On the other side, the weak sedimentary rocks have been worn down to lowlands. Rift Valleys In a broken region undergoing uplift or the unequal settling which may follow, a slice enclosed between two fissures may sink below the level of the crust blocks on either side, thus forming a linear depression known as a rift valley, or valley of fracture. One of the most striking examples of this rare type of valley is the long trough which runs straight from the Lebanon mountains of Syria on the north to the Red Sea on the south, and whose central portion is occupied by the Jordan Valley and the Dead Sea. The plateau which it gashes has been lifted more than 3,000 feet above sea level, and the bottom of the trough reaches a depth of 2,600 feet below that level in parts of the Dead Sea. South of the Dead Sea, the floor of the trough rises somewhat above sea level, and in the Gulf of Aqaba again sinks below it. This uneven floor could be accounted for either by profound warping of a valley of erosion or by the unequal depression of the floor of a rift valley. But that the trough is a true valley of fracture is proved by the fact that on either side it is bounded by fault scarps and monoclinal folds. The keystone of the arch has subsided. Many geologists believe that the Jordan-Aqaba trough, the long narrow basin of the Red Sea, and the chain of down-faulted valleys which in Africa extends from the Strait of Babel Mandeb as far south as Lake Nyasa, valleys which contain more than thirty lakes, belong to a single system of dislocation. Should you expect the lateral valleys of a rift valley at the time of its formation to enter it as hanging valleys or at a common level? Block Mountains Dislocations take place on so grand a scale that by the upheaval of blocks of the earth's crust or the downfaulting of the blocks about one which is relatively stationary, mountains known as block mountains are produced. A tilted crust block may present a steep slope on the side upheaved and a more gentle descent on the side depressed. The Basin Ranges The plateaus of the United States bounded by the Rocky Mountains on the east and on the west by the ranges which front the Pacific have been profoundly fractured and faulted. The system of great fissures by which they are broken extends north and south, and the long, narrow, tilted crust blocks intercepted between the fissures give rise to the numerous north-south ranges of the region. Some of the tilted blocks, as those of southern Oregon, are as yet but moderately carved by erosion, and shallow lakes lie on the waste that has been washed into the depressions between them. We may therefore conclude that their displacement is somewhat recent. Others, as those of Nevada, are so old that they have been deeply dissected. Their original form has been destroyed by erosion, and the intermontane depressions are occupied by wide plains of waste. 
dislocations and river valleys before geologists had proved that rivers can by their own unaided efforts cut deep canyons it was common to consider any narrow gorge as a gaping fissure of the crust this crude view has long since been set aside a map of the plateaus of northern arizona shows how independent of the immense faults of the region is the course of the colorado river in the alps the tunnels on the st goddard railway pass six times beneath the gorge of the Rus, but at no point do the rocks show the slightest trace of a fault rate of dislocation so far as human experience goes the earth movements which we have just studied some of which have produced deep sunk valleys and lofty mountain ranges and faults whose throw is to be measured in thousands of feet are slow and gradual they are not to be accomplished by a single paroxysmal effort but by slow creep and a series of slight slips continued for vast lengths of time in the aspen mining district in colorado faulting is now going on at a comparatively rapid rate although no sudden slips take place the creep of the rock along certain planes of faulting gradually bends out of shape the square-set timbers in horizontal drifts and has closed some vertical shafts by shifting the upper portion across the lower along one of the faults of this region it is estimated that there has been a movement of at least four hundred feet since the glacial epoch more conspicuous are the instances of active faulting by means of sudden slips in eighteen ninety one there occurred along an old fault plain in japan a slip which produced an earth rent traced for fifty miles figure one ninety two the country on one side was depressed in places twenty feet below that on the other and also shifted as much as thirteen feet horizontally in the direction of the fault line in eighteen seventy two a slip occurred for forty miles on the great line of dislocation which runs along the eastern base of the sierra nevada mountains in the owens valley california the throw amounted to twenty-five feet in places with a horizontal movement along the fault line of as much as eighteen feet both this slip and that in japan just mentioned cause severe earthquakes for the sake of clearness we have described oscillations foldings and fractures of the crust as separate processes each giving rise to its own peculiar surface features but in nature earth movements are by no means so simple they are often implicated with one another. Folds pass into faults. In a deformed region, certain rocks have bent, while others under the same strain, but under different conditions of plasticity and load, have broken. Folded mountains have been worn to their roots, and the peneplains to which they have been denuded have been upwarped to mountain height and afterwards dissected, as in the case of the Allegheny ridges, the southern Carpathians, and other ranges or as in the case of the sierra nevada mountains have been broken and uplifted as mountains of fracture draw the following diagrams being careful to show the direction in which the faulted blocks have moved by the position of the two parts of some well-defined layer of limestone sandstone or shale which occurs on each side of the fault plane as in figure one eighty four one a normal fault with a height of fifteen degrees the original fault scarp remaining two a normal fault with a height of fifty degrees the original fault scarp worn away showing cliffs caused by harder strata on the downthrow side three a thrust fault with a height of thirty degrees showing cliffs due to harder strata outcropping on the downthrow four a thrust fault with a height of eighty degrees with surface base leveled five 
In a region of normal faults, a coal mine is being worked along the seam of coal AB, figure 193. At B, it is found broken by a fault F, which hades toward A. To find the seam again, should you advise tunneling up or down from B. 6. In a vertical shaft of a coal mine, the same bed of coal is pierced twice at different levels because of a fault. Draw a diagram to show whether the fault is normal or a thrust. 7. Copy the diagram in figure 194, showing how the two ridges may be accounted for by a single resistant stratum dislocated by a fault. Is the fault a strike fault, that is, one running parallel with the strike of the strata, or a dip fault, one running parallel with the direction of the dip? 8. Draw a diagram of the block in figure 195 as it would appear if dislocated along the plane EFG by a normal fault whose throw equals one-fourth the height of the block. Is the fault a strike or a dip fault? Draw a second diagram showing the same block after denudation has worn it down below the center of the upthrown side. Note that the outcrop of the coal seam is now deceptively repeated. This exercise may be done in blocks of wood instead of drawings. 9. Draw a diagram showing by dotted lines the conditions both of A and of B, figure 196, after deformation had given the strata their present attitude. 10. What is the attitude of the strata of this earth block, figure 197? What has taken place along the plane BEF? When did the dislocation occur, compared with the folding of the strata? With the erosion of the valleys on the right-hand side of the mountain? With the deposition of the sediments? Do you find any remnants of the original surface BAF produced by the dislocation? From the left-hand side of the mountain, infer what was the relief of the region before the dislocation. Give the complete history recorded in the diagram, from the deposition of the strata to the present. 11. Which is the older fault, in figure 198, or when did the lava flow occur? How long a time elapsed between the formation of the two faults, as measured in the work done in the interval? How long a time since the formation of the later fault? 12. Measure by the scale the thickness lie of the coal-bearing strata outcropping from A to B in figure 199. On any convenient scale, draw a similar section of strata with a dip of 30 degrees outcropping along a horizontal line normal to the strike 1,000 feet in length and measure the thickness of the strata by the scale employed. The thickness may also be calculated by trigonometry. Unconformity Strata deposited one upon another in an unbroken succession are said to be conformable, but the continuous deposition of strata is often interrupted by movements of the earth's crust. Old sea floors are lifted to form land and are again depressed beneath the sea to receive a cover of sediments only after an interval during which they were carved by subaerial erosion. An erosion surface which thus parts older from younger strata is known as an unconformity and the strata above it are said to be unconformable with the rocks below, or to rest unconformably upon them. An unconformity thus records movements of the crust and a consequent break in the deposition of the strata. It denotes a period of land erosion of greater or less length, which may sometimes be roughly measured by the stage in the erosion cycle which the land surface has attained before its burial. Unconformable strata may be parallel, as in figure 200, where the record includes the deposition of strata, their emergence, 
the erosion of the land surface, a submergence and the deposit of the strata, and lastly, emergence and the erosion of the present surface. Often the earth movements to which the uplift or depression was due involve tilting or folding of the earlier strata, so that the strata are now non-parallel as well as unconformable. In figure 201, for example, the record includes deposition, uplift, and tilting of A, erosion, depression, the deposit of B, and finally, the uplift which has brought the rocks to open air and permitted the dissection by which the unconformity is revealed. From this section infer that during early Silurian times the area was sea, and thick sea muds were laid upon it. These were later altered to hard slates by pressure and upfolded into mountains. During the later Silurian and the Devonian, the area was land and suffered vast denudation. In the Carboniferous period, it was lowered beneath the sea and received a cover of limestone. The Age of Mountains it is largely by means of unconformities that we read the history of mountain-making and other deformations and movements of the crust. In figure 203, for example, the deformation which upfolded the range of mountains took place after the deposit of the series of strata A, of which the mountains are composed, and before the deposit of the stratified rocks, which rest unconformably on A and have not shared their uplift. Most great mountain ranges like the Sierra Nevada and the Alps, mark lines of weakness along which the Earth's crust has yielded again and again during the long ages of geological time. The strata deposited at various times about their flanks have been infolded by later crumplings with the original mountain mass and have been repeatedly crushed, inverted, faulted, intruded with igneous rocks, and denuded. The structure of great mountain ranges thus becomes exceedingly complex and difficult to read. A comparatively simple case of repeated uplift is shown in figure 204. In the section of a portion of the Alps shown in figure 179, a far more complicated history may be deciphered. Unconformities in the Colorado Canyon, Arizona. How geological history may be read in unconformities is further illustrated in figures 207 and 208. The dark crystalline rocks a, at the bottom of the canyon, are among the most ancient known, and are overlain unconformably by a mass of tilted, coarse marine sandstones, B, whose total thickness is not seen in the diagram and measures 12,000 feet perpendicularly to the dip. Both A and B rise to a common level, NN, and upon them rest the horizontal sea-laid strata, C, in which the upper portion of the canyon has been cut. Note that the crystalline rocks A have been crumpled and crushed. Comparing their structure with that of folded mountains, what do you infer as to their relief after their deformation? To which surface were they first worn down, MM prime or NM? Describe an account for the surface MM prime. How does it differ from the surface of the crystalline rocks seen in the Torridonian mountains, and why? This surface, MM prime, is one of the oldest land surfaces of which any vestige remains. It is a bit of fossil geography buried from view since the earliest geological ages and recently brought to light by the erosion of the canyon. How did the surface MM prime come to receive its cover of sandstones B? From the thickness and coarseness of these sediments, draw inferences as to the land mass from which they were derived. Was it rising or subsiding, high or low? 
Were its streams slow or swift? Was the amount of erosion small or great? Note the strong dip of these sandstones P. Was the surface MM prime tilted as now when the sandstones were deposited upon it? When was it tilted? Draw a diagram showing the attitude of the rocks after this tilting occurred and their height relative to sea level. The surface NN prime is remarkably even, although diversified by some low hills which rise into the bedded rocks of sea, and it may be traced for long distances up and down the canyon. Were the layers of B and the surface MM prime always thus cut short by NN prime as now? What has made the surface NN prime so even? How does it come to cross the hard crystalline rocks A and the weaker sandstones B at the same impartial level? How did the sediments of C come to be laid upon it? Give now the entire history recorded in the section, and in addition, that involved in the production of the platform P, shown in figure 130, and that of the cutting of the canyon. How does the time involved in the cutting of the canyon compare with that required for the production of the surfaces MM' and N' and P? End of chapter 9 End of section 15